Listener Production. Hello and welcome to the Footy Talk AFL Summer Series, where we're showing you a bit of something else that we produce here at the Listener Studios. The Howie Games is Australia's number one sports podcast. It's where the biggest names in world sport go one-on-one with Mark Howard. And to date, Howie has published over 200 episodes. Across the next few weeks in this Footy Talk podcast feed, we've been cutting up mini episodes of these longer form episodes that is from the Howie Games. And we're going to be sharing them with you. It's a few of our favourite episodes that Howie has done with your favourite footy personalities. Today, we are having a listen to Chris Scott's chat with Howie. It was published back in 2020. And in this mini episode, Chris speaks to Howie about growing up as a twin, of course, with his brother Brad, who now coaches the Bombers, and getting to play with Brad when they were up at the Lions. He also speaks about the memory of his father, losing him at a young age, and how that has impacted him now. And Chris also speaks about managing injury through the early 2000s, missing the grand final because of it as a Lions player. So here it is. It's Chris Scott sitting down with Mark Howard on the Howie Games back in 2020. How have you dealt with being a twin? I imagine in some ways it's an enormously special part of life, but in other ways it must be a bloody nightmare. (laughs) I mean, we love it. We wouldn't change it. But as I alluded to before, our childhood was fantastic. Uh, Great having someone to always kick the footy back to you and play cricket with. And and we've always been close. I mean, like all brothers, we had our moments growing up and, um, you know, we'd we'd fight as much as, um, you know, the next um, group of kids. But, um, you know, right right through, um, you know, our lives, I mean, it's quite, it's, it's strange in a way that our paths have been so similar because there was often at, at, at turning points there was that sort of imperative to go and do something different and um, have your own identity. Even I was taken away, um, taken away, that's not a very good way of expressing it. I was drafted at the end of year 11 at school, so I missed my year 12 year, which was, it was a challenge for me. Um, even more so than the moving away and going to boarding school and playing AFL footy in my first year. I, I love my school um, and some of my, well, my best mates um, are still my schoolmates that I met in grade five. Um, and, and Brad and I, you know, almost to a man, have there's a, bit of, there's a bit of overlap, you know, because we went separate ways with some... Um, at different times. But m- for the most part, our, our friendship circle is the same. Um, but when I did move up to Brisbane, um, you know, the there was some appeal in having your own identity, and I think Brad really felt that as well. So he finished Year Twelve at St Kevin's um, while I was up in Brisbane. Got drafted to Hawthorne uh, twelve months after I did. Um, spent three years there, and then we we had the chance, which at the time felt like it was a now or never situation um, to play together and. Um, you know, I I had the confidence that you know, Brisbane were on the right track, um, had a really good young group of players and things were going okay for, for me there. And it, I guess from a selfish perspective, I even though I always thought I'd go back to Melbourne, it was just a matter of when. Um, you know, I was, I was even at that young age, I was, I think, what, 21, mm. 20 maybe. I was, I was just so focused on, you know, achieving team success and I thought that was the best place in the country to do it. And so in the end, it was it was a decision. Well, if we're going to play together, it's got to be now, um, and it's got to be in Brisbane. Um, and that was 
that was a fantastic decision in the end. Did you get in his ear and say, you know, come up here and play with me or was it just an organic thing? It was a bit more organic. Like in the end, I think I did need to convince him a bit. But I was really conscious that I didn't want to put so much pressure on him that, um, you know, he did something that he didn't want to do. And there was a downside to it. Like our, so our identities became merged again. Mm. And then, you know, we were, we were referred to as the twins and all that sort of stuff. And the positives outweigh the negatives by a mile. So it's not, but it was just a consideration that we needed to be, to be aware of. And, you know, even at that age, we we're like, yep, yeah, this, this is kind of what's going to happen. But um, if that's the worst we've got to deal with, um, we'll be fine. Now, having said that, he came up and we finished Stone Cold last um, in 1998. So Thanks for that, bro. My, yeah, my wisdom a little <laughs> bit. Um, but then, you know, again, the sliding doors moments, I think it's more complicated and nuanced than this. But if Lee Matthews wasn't appointed as head coach in 99, um, then a lot of the good things that happened in, in, in my life um, wouldn't have happened. Your dad served? Yeah, he did. He was a pilot um, in the army, um, flew um, reconnaissance planes um, in Vietnam. He actually won the Dis- Distinguished Flying Cross, which is very rare. Not many people, certainly Australians, um, look, and, and my knowledge of it's not very good, so um, the experts will probably pull me up on some of this, but my understanding is it's, it's, a, it's, a rare, um, it, it's a rare award, even to the point where I remember marching in the Anzac Day um, parades, you know, wearing um, replicas of maybe actually we even wore the real thing, um, Dad's medals, um, and and having, you know, the old timers come up and say you don't know how 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 rare that award is. So yeah, it was he was he was a really interesting guy. Um, uh, after he got back from um, Vietnam. Um, finished his time in the army, ended up flying helicopters down in um, Antarctica. Mm. Mum and dad lived in Port Moresby for a period there. I guess the Queenslanders, really, my older brother and sister were born in in Queensland. Unfortunately, Brad and I were born in Melbourne. Big V. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and my younger brother, Ben, as well. Um, but in my recollection and the way it was described to me was um, Dad was flying a helicopter in Antarctica um, one day and there was a whiteout. And if you're in a helicopter in the snow and there's a whiteout, it's hard to tell which way's up and which way's down. And um, I think Dad found his way through that somehow, um, came back to wherever, came back to, to Mum and said, right, that's it, I'm out. Right. We're, we're going to move to Melbourne and going to buy a news agency. One final question on this, I don't want to labour it. And I was reading a little bit about your dad last night and the fact he passed away when you and Brad were eight and that's the age of my son at the moment. And as you will appreciate, once you have kids, um, you become much more an emotional person. I certainly do. I never used to cry and then I had kids and I find myself crying all the time. And I was thinking to myself, he must have at this stage, we've done so much together, we've travelled together and we, we've learnt things together and we've had all these experiences together, me and my, my young bloke who is eight. I wonder how much, though, as he grows up, he remembers of that first eight years and it's sort of the obvious question to me was how much do you remember of time with your father because to me, my eight-year-old is full of memories of me but 
time obviously fades and the young mind forgets a lot of stuff. It's a really interesting point. I, especially over the last couple of years, I have thought about it, you know, for the reasons you outlined. I, my recollection is vague of, of Dad. You remember snippets, um, but nowhere near as much as uh, I would like to. And, and I think uh, the, uh, the digital age will help. You know, we'll be able to, you know, if, if, I, if I wasn't around, um, I think, you know, in 15 years' time there'd be enough... Um, be enough photos and video footage and that sort of thing for Layla to be able to go back yeah. and get in it's sort of jog her memory a little bit but um, even you know aside from that I, I think more than I ever have that you've got to create those moments that that you can remember uh, and it's you know it, I, I try to and this comes back to the the privacy um, that, that I sort of aspire to in my life it's I don't want those memories to revolve around footy. And I, I love the game and I, I'm very appreciative of what it's done for me. But as it relates to my daughter, like, I'd like to... And I think my wife's really good at this. She, you know, one of the things I admire about her is that, um, you know, she, she'd be happy for footy to be gone tomorrow, mm. I think, in a way, um, because she sees that, you know, there are other really good parts in our in our life and, you know, we're not... We're not defined by our success or otherwise um, um, at the footy club. And, and I'd like my daughter to think the same way. You know, and really in some ways school's been a bit of a challenge for her because before she went to school last year, I don't think she really had any idea of who I was. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so, so trying to sort of educate her around there's the Geelong coach and, and then there's dad and they're, they're not necessarily exactly the same person. But <laughs> yeah, she's been through her ups and downs there at, at, at school. Geelong's a small place. It's hard to hide. You mentioned your coach with Nigel Lappin. You mentioned the importance of team and how you see it now, and you mentioned a bloke playing through a remarkable situation with busted ribs to play in a grand final. I wasn't aware until I was again reading because I was trying to figure out why you didn't play in the third grand final that um, you went on and won. You were emergency? Yeah, it was a strange situation. I, that was really the, um, the start of my groin issues. I played uh, the O2... Um, grand final, sort of under duress, um, had surgery at the end of that year and, and just hobbled through the um, 2003 season. Um, missed the first final, I think, because I just, you know, I, I literally couldn't kick the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, so I don't want to rehash any of the stuff. Anyone that wants to um, get a feel for how groin injuries were managed, um in the uh, early 2000s, go back to Juddie's podcast. because So I I can completely relate to all that stuff. But even with those pubic joint injections, I was training and kicking the ball along the ground. Um, How many injections are you getting in there? Oh, a lot. I mean, it's, yeah, it's... And and again, it it informs me around the management of our players now. And it was just the, the, the... And, and Juddy said it really well. It's um, it's not an indictment on um, any group of people at the time. It was just the way things were done. But um, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't aim to do them better now. Mm. And like even the way that playing hurt was a badge of honour 
in the old days um, is something that we try to guard against now. I mean, there's there's things where that you need to be able to play through and you need to show some some grit, but then there's just a counterproductive stupidity as well, and then that's probably the um, the 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 boat that I was in for that two or three year period, and it really burnt me um, for the rest of my career. Um, so I was hobbling through, and um, I missed. I think I missed the prelim final, or did I play that? No, I missed. I played the first final, missed the prelim final, um, and was trying to convince um, Lee that that week that I was good enough to play. Um, didn't do a good enough job, but 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 that was obvious just by watching me. But um, we had a really wounded team that year. It was um, a whole lot of guys that were struggling. You know, Nigel Lappin, um, who was a bit more public, but there are a whole lot of other guys that were hobbling as well. And I think it was to the stage where sort of maybe you know, I thought I could play um, in the end. I was relieved that I didn't because my great fear was that I would play uh, and let the team down. Um, but to be honest, if they'd have said, we need you to play, I was there. You know, it wasn't as if I sort of fell on my sword. So I know, I know, and uh, I know you hate doing this, but I'm going to make you do it anyway. So, so are you in the rooms expecting to play, not expecting to play? Like what's the situation with Nigel? Like, how does it unfold? No, well, it, you know, Nigel's... You know, my best friend in footy, we were drafted the same year. We're coaching together now, um, you know, it, um, and we were really close then. And, you know, he had broken ribs and um, had got through the fitness test. And But he was really clear that if he couldn't play, then I would. And he actually had the conversation with me. He said, look, I, I think you should play. And it was, it was almost this competition between two, um, you know, proud people, but also um, ones that cared so much for each other that, you know, he was almost prepared to put himself out so I could play, and hopefully I did a good good enough job of saying, I don't care how bad your ribs are, you, you're going to be of more value to the team than I am. Um, and he, so I was stripped, ready to play. Um, Nige got through, and and funnily enough, I expected, given the state of the team, that we'd probably get beaten that day. Well, I don't think I was thinking that at the time, but that was sort of the logical conclusion. And by halftime, the game was over. Mm. We just, you know, had one of those days, the, the planets aligned and um, it was it was hard to escape the feeling that, well, I could have hobbled my way around there um, and we might have won by 50 points instead of 60 or whatever it was. It's, it doesn't feel like it at the time, but it's helped me a lot, that experience, you know, dealing with... It's, it's human nature to feel really disappointed that you weren't a part of it, but, um, you know, really influential people in my lives have, um, you know, had the foresight to actually talk to me at, at different stages to say that, you know, you won't get judged on how you behave when things are going really well. You get judged on how you handle adversity. Um, and besides some private moments, I think I handled that situation pretty well. 
So that's just a small taster of a two-part episode where Chris Scott also speaks about his life as a modern coach and what it's like to be a coach in this day and age. He speaks about the unity of the AFL during crisis and his start in the footy world. If you want to hear the full episodes, you can check it out via the link in the description here. We'll be back with brand new Footy Talk AFL very, very soon as the 2024 Footy Susan kicks off. Make sure if you're listening to us on Apple, leave us a review and if you're on Spotify, hit that bell to be notified when new episodes are released. Listener.